So we're starting today, Peirik Lamed Ches, which is on page 98. So in the last few parakim, starting from Peirik Lamed Hey, starting from chapter 35 and through Peirik Lamed Zayin, to chapter 37, the three parakim of Lamed Hey, Lamed Vav, Lamed Zayin, Salter Rebbe introduces us to the philosophy behind the primacy of Maisa, behind the primacy of action and Yiddishkeit. HaMaisa Hu Iker. Why is it that in Yiddishkeit is such an action-oriented um, way of life? Torah is so much about Misa, what to do and what not to do. And the reason for that is, this is connected to the very reason for the creation of this world, and the creation of all the worlds, that Hashem wants a dira Hashem wanted a dwelling place in the lowest realms, in the physical, and how do we do that? Primarily, that is through action. That is through, because uh, through our actions, we interact with the physical world, we elevate the physical world, we bring holiness into the physical world, and that's why we're so into Misa. <clears throat> and even though, Dr. Rebbe ends off, as we ended last, um, last year, even though there's the idea of a Talmud Torah connected kulam, the idea that Torah study is the equivalent of all the other mitzvahs, which would seem to contradict the idea of a Maiso Iker, the Siddhartha Rebbe explains that Talmud Torah connected kulam, what that means. Mostly that means that in terms of the benefit of the neshama, the neshama for the neshama's ability to connect to Hashem, for in that area there is no greater tool for the neshama to connect to Hashem than Torah study. And in that area, Torah study greatly surpasses all the other mitzvahs. No other mitzvah um, achieves that level of connection of the neshama with Hashem as does Torah study. However, in terms of our purpose here in the world, in terms of what we're here for, what we're trying to accomplish over there, Hamaisa Iker, the main thing is the action, because that's why Hashem put us down here in this world. And with that, we'll start Periklam at Ches on page 98. im kohanal. With all that we've explained up until this point, you van Heitav will understand well. Psaka halacha, the halacha ruling arucha betalmud upoiskim, the halacha which is laid out very clearly in the Gemara and the works of the poiskim. The hirhur lav kidibur dami. That thought is not considered like dibur. It's not considered like speech. Usually when we, use, when we think of, of thought, which Hebrew word do we associate with thought? Machshava. So what's the difference between machshava and hearer? Machshava generally refers to, you know, when you're thinking, your thought process. Hearer is when you're thinking specific words or chains of words in your mind. So for example, if I were in my mind to think a bracha, in my mind I'm thinking, Baruch Atah Hashem Elokeinu that is hearer. The focus there is on the words that you're actually thinking. So in halacha, forget about machshava, even hirhur, even the thought, when you're thinking specific words that does not have the halachic uh, equivalence as actually as dibur. And therefore, v'imkara kriyishma v'machshavta yibalibay lavad, if a person thought kriyishma in his thought, he said the words of kriyishma in his thought, and yibalibay with his heart, in other words, also he invested his heart, his Avas Hashem, his Yiras Hashem, his feelings, his emotion in it, but Levad alone. But you invested in it the entire 
power of your kavana. So you have not fulfilled the mitzvah of saying Krishna. And you have to go and you have to say the Kriyashma once again. The Chayin, furthermore, the same thing is true. When it comes to which is the Raisam, and all the other brachas that are Dirabanan. When it comes to Birchas Hamazan, or the other brachas, that if you just say them in your mind, but you don't articulate them, you don't verbally, you don't uh, verbally say the words. You weren't yitz, and you have to do it again. And this is something which is very interesting. What is the toichen? What is the point of Krishna? As we know, Krishna, the toichen, the point of Krishna is kabbalas oil malchus shemayim, kabbalas, acceptance of the yoke of heaven. And there's the acceptance of the yoke of mitzvahs, kabbalas of the oil of the mitzvahs. So isn't that the main thing? So if that is the main thing, then as long as you were mekabel il malchus shemayim, you know, when you say, Shema Yisrael Hashem Malikeinu Hashem Echad, when you say the word Echad, you have to have in mind that the one Hashem, that he is, um, you have to be mamluchim, you have to uh, accept him as the king and realize that he is the king of the seven heavens and the earth and all the four, and all the four directions. And then you have Vahafta, which is the Kabbalah of the mitzvahs, so the main thing is that the person twice a day accepts upon him or herself the yoke of heaven, the yoke of the mitzvahs. And why is the verbalizing, why is the, why is the saying of the words important? Birch HaSamazan, what is the point of Birch HaSamazan? Birch HaSamazan is Vachalta v'tzavata v'irachta Sashem the idea of gratitude that you eat and after you're satiated, after you're full, you have to express your gratitude to Hashem. Now, to a fellow human being, if you don't, uh, if you don't express your gratitude, if you just think your gratitude, you know, if after you after you finish eating, you think thank you to your wife for for the meal, it's not going to get you too far. I mean, lacks, lacks communication. It's like, right, but the, but that but that you can't, convey, you can't convey gratitude without without being the, you know. That's to a fellow human beings. So you have to convey it either either verbally or at the very least uh, by writing something down or by a text. But Hashem. As he there, he knows how to read the mind. Hashem knows how to read the mind. Leavdil the Arabs after they finish eating the bird. How bigger is the bird? It means more modern. But I want I want to take it a step further. When you say thank you, when, is the is the main thing the words? The intention. Main thing is the intention. So for, let's say you're saying thank you to someone, for something, and. For our, you know, theoretically, let's say that person was a mind reader and he was able to read your mind and realize that you're not, you're not grateful at all. Would the words thank you mean anything? No. no definitely not. Because the words thank you, their importance is only in, in, in as much as they reflect the feeling that you have in your heart. So the main thing is the feeling, the thought. Yeah. So why do you have to say it? Because you're dealing with a fellow human being and the fellow human being can't read your read mind. mind. But when you're talking to Hashem, when you're saying Shema, when you're Birch Samas and you're making a bracha, he knows what you're thinking of. So, so discard, dispense with the words because they're not important anyways. As, in other words, again, in our communication with our fellow, the only reason why we have to say the words is because the person can't read our mind and our heart. If the person would be able to read our mind and our heart, the words would be superfluous. So why is it that not only aren't the words superfluous, but if you don't say the words, you weren't yitz and you have to say it again. But even if you say the words and the heart isn't in the right place exactly, then you're still Yosef, you know? Even it goes further, even. We'll get there. Uh -huh. 
But uh, don't we have mitzvahs, trichas, kavana? And if you have no kavana, then you don't. Mitzvahs, trichas, kavana is that so simple? It's not uh, not so simple. But let's say we'll, we'll say. get there soon. We'll get there soon. Oh, right, right. We'll um, and the same thing. So what do we what did we say so far? So far we said about we spoke about about uh, Krishna. Right. So we didn't talk about learning yet, did we? No, we said Krishna and the brachas. And now when it comes to davening, Tfila. Talmud. Oh, no. Hill Lav is not talking about learning? No, not yet. We, we, actually, in the last Perek Lamezayin, he talked about learning Torah. It has to be Akim Asasah Havamaisa. But here we're talking about Dafka, about uh, the mitzvahs of Krishna and Brachas, and now it talks about Davning, which is interesting. If you notice that he says, that Birchas Hamazen is their Isa, and the other Brachas are their Abanan. And then he puts in Tfilah as its own category. Yeah. Is Tfilah their Isa or is Tfilah their Abanan? The Rabbanon, but that's the Anshik Nesak Delu is Misakin. So it's not so posh whether it's the Rice or the Rabbanon. Anshik Nesak Delu or that the three times a day, the format. Yeah, the, also, the words also the Misakin. That's part of the format. So sometimes Tfilah could be the Rice, sometimes it could be the Rabbanon. So therefore, the Rebbe doesn't include it in either one of them. When it comes to davening, here davening is unbelievable. Davening is unbelievable. <coughs> because. First three brachas. Davening, you have to say it with your mouth. If you said the davening, you articulated the words. You didn't have the kavani. You didn't have the you didn't have the pirushamilis. Didn't think the meaning of the words. That's not the way. That's not the preferred way of davening. That's not the ideal way of davening. But in other words, um, in hindsight, what, if you've already done Dafin, then you did not have in mind the words, you're Yetzah. Ve'en sarach And you don't have to go back, go back and repeat the davening. Levad mepasuk rishn shal krishma. Aside from the first pasuk of krishma, that if you didn't have in mind the meaning of the words, you do have to go back. Anu bracha rishenu shal tefillah shmein asri. And the first bracha of shmein asri, which even though that's the halacha, is brought down the Gemara, l'peilun shluchon arach, it says... That if you didn't have kavana by the first bracha of Shemayin Asher, you don't repeat it. And it's a very interesting reason, he says, because the chances are that you will repeat it the second time you also won't have kavana. So there's no point in repeating it. As uh, we find at the beginning of the Gemara, in the beginning of the second parak of brachas, Ad Kan Kavana, up until the end of the Hashem Echad, right? In the first Pasuk Geshma, the mitzvah is you must have kavana mekan ve'elach, and from here on, mitzvah's kriya, you need to read v'chul. This is really amazing. That davening, that if you didn't have in mind the kavana and you said the words, you're fine. You're fine. And if you had the kavana and you didn't say the words, you weren't yetzah. Why is this so surprising? Take a look at the mitzvah and the Torah. Where, how do we know? You, you said that it's a mitzvah Rabbanon, but we know that ultimately the um, that right the the, the Torah the, the 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 mitzvah tefillah is sourced ultimately in the Torah. Where because the pasuk says, well, that we have to serve Hashem with all our hearts. And on this, the Chazal say, What does it mean to serve Hashem with your heart? That means they have to daven. So it doesn't say anywhere in the Torah 
they have to say any words. It doesn't say when it comes to Krishma or Lim it says Vidibartabam. Vidibartabam means you actually have to speak. You have to say it. So I can understand. Okay. I can understand somewhat. You have to say the words of Krishna. It says Vidibartabam. Vidibartam means you have to speak. It doesn't say about happening we have to speak anything. What does it say? What is the gather? What is the gather of of, of tefillah? The gather the mitzvah to serve Hashem with your heart. And even though that, and even though that that is the the parameters of the mitzvah is the service of the heart, still we say, if you served only with your heart, you weren't yitzah. But if you said the words, even if your heart was somewhat absent, you were yitzah. That's very surprising. So the truth is, the truth is that what you said about mitzvahs, this is true about every single mitzvah. Every single mitzvah. And every single mitzvah, if you did a mitzvah without kavana, you were yoytza. Even though there's machoikis, mitzvah shichas kavana, mitzvah enen shichas kavana, there are many different levels of kavana. Many different levels of kavana. When it says mitzvah shichas kavana, what does that mean? Even according to the opinion that mitzvah shichas kavana, what does that mean? You have intent to do the mitzvah. You have intent to do the mitzvah. That's not kavana. It's not the kavana we're talking about over here. When I eat, in other words, mitzvah sirchas kavana means that when I eat matzah, I have to have in mind that I'm doing this to be yitzah, the mitzvah of, of, of matzah. As opposed to if I uh, thought that I'm snacking on something, I forgot it's Pesach, I forgot it's matzah, I ate it. So if I say mitzvah sein and sirchas kavana, I wasn't yitzah. If, and that's again, it's a whole, it's not a pashta thing. It's a, it's a big machlikis erishenim, and when it's applied and when it's not applied. But the kavana of the mitzvah, the reason for the mitzvah, the avas Hashem, the yiras Hashem, the intent of the mitzvah, that is no question. If you do a mitzvah without that kavana, you are yitzah. Because the action is the main thing. The only thing is, mitzvah shichas kavana means that there has to be an awareness that I'm doing a mitzvah. It's a very basic, very, very basic level of kavana. We're not talking about that. Here we're talking kavana, we're talking more about the intent of the mitzvah, the, the desire, the passion, the enthusiasm, the excitement, the love of Hashem, the fear of Hashem. Thinking about the, the toichin of the mitzvah, the, the substance of the mitzvah. Okay. Hashem told us that, I mean, there are a few mitzvahs, by the way, a few mitzvahs. Urtake, kavana is integral to the mitzvah. Sorry, what? Tefillin, the mashal tefillin is one of those. Where the, the kavana is not only a separate thing. That, that's why in Shulchan Aruch it says the whole v'yikav and the kavana is supposed to have. Sukkah, where it says that l'man yedu derisechem, that it's part. But even over there, the kavana is a, it's a, it's a tenai in the mitzvah. It's a tenai in the mitzvah. The mitzvah itself is the action. It's, but what's even more amazing is these mitzvahs that we're talking about over here. Because any mitzvah which is associated with speech, by definition, what is speech? What is speech? Speech is there only to reveal something which is inside of you to others. If there is no others, you don't need speech. So why is speech important? So any mitzvah which is associated with speech, by definition, it means it's, there's something that's going on inside of you. And that's the main thing, because speech is only there to reveal that. So why is it important to say the words? If it's going on inside of you and Hashem is aware of it, then that should be the main thing. 
So you can't compare that to the other mitzvahs which are action mitzvahs. So let's do one side. Four lines on the top of page Nun. So the explanation of this all is, what is the reason for this? Because As explained at length in last period, the neshama on its own doesn't require any rectification through mitzvahs. The neshama did not come down here in the world to be able to do mitzvahs to benefit itself. The neshama is fine. It always was fine. It didn't come down to benefit itself. Rak. Why did the neshama come down? Why did Hashem send the neshama down here? Laham to bring down godliness, l'sakin, and thereby to rectify and to elevate nefesh achiyunis, the animal soul, v'haguf, and the body. through through the words shanefesh medaberes that when the soul speaks, the nefesh mahamis speaks. With the five different ways that a person speaks, you know, the the, the, the letters are divided into some letters come out through the, um, the tongue, and some are the, the lips, and some is the teeth, and some is the palate, and some is, there's a fifth one I'm missing, right? There's teeth, tongue, lips, palate. The throat. Throat. And, uh, right, 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 the throat, very good. Achem, my garden. Aleph, ches, hey, ayin. The throat. No, even by us, Aleph. Aleph is not from any right comes from the throat. So when we speak, what you're doing is every time that you say a bracha and you're using those, so, so you're elevating your teeth and your lips and your palate and your throat and the fifth one, right? Whichever one, right? We said we, we mentioned five, right? Again, there's the lips, the teeth, the tongue, the palate, and the throat, right? The same as when it comes to action-oriented mitzvahs, which the body does, with the other limbs of the body. So yeah, what is davening? And what is Shema? They all have these deep spiritual ideas behind them, whether it's Kabbalah, Malcha, Shemaim, accepting the yoke of heaven, accepting the yoke of mitzvahs, whether it's uh, davening and the kavanah and connecting to Hashem. And these are all beautiful things. But... What is a mitzvah? A mitzvah. We discussed in Perik Lamed in chapter 35, we explained how for the person to connect to Hashem, for a person to connect to Hashem, love of Hashem and fear of Hashem and having, you know, all these, uh, having this incredible emotional relationship with Hashem doesn't connect you to Hashem. You need mitzvahs. You need mitzvahs. Need you need a mitzvah. The only way that a person can connect to Hashem is through a mitzvah. As you know, the word mitzvah is related to the word tzavsa. The word tzavsa in Aramaic means a connection. Tzavsa v'chibur. We connect to Hashem only through a mitzvah. So how do you get Yerushamayim? How do you get these emotions through, through uh, a physical act? That's something you have to work in your mind. You have to contemplate. Hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. Hold it. <laughs> So connection to Hashem comes only through a mitzvah. And that means practically that Hashem is infinite. Hashem is the greatest of the great and the infinite and uh, above and transcends and beyond everything. And the human being is nothing. 
So how does the human being connect to Hashem? The answer is, how do you connect to Hashem? Because Hashem created the world for a purpose. And then Hashem turns to you and says, I need you. I need you to help me. I can't. That's the interesting thing. Hashem created the world. He wants a dir He wants a dwelling place over here in this world. And he can't do that alone. Why can't he do it alone? I thought he's uh, He's omnipotent. Yeah, but his plan is what Hashem's desire was. And this desire is by choice. So it's not a, it's not an essential intrinsic limitation. Because this is what he chose. Hashem wanted a world wherein the world would accept him of its own volition. A world which is dark, a world which is cold, a world which is, you know, devoid, open, openly devoid of holiness and kedusha. a world that would accept him. He didn't want to impose himself on a world. He wanted a world to accept him. A world, and he wanted us. And we, and we do that through doing mitzvahs. Why is that important to Hashem? We don't know. We don't know. That's what he wanted. Hashem wanted a dir betachtoinim. Why he wanted a dir betachtoinim? That, uh, as we said, Dr. Rebbe said, Afataiva is kinkashinish. We don't, when, a, when someone wants something, you can't ask why. That's what Hashem wanted. We know what he wanted, we don't know why he wanted it. Why? But that's the purpose of the creation of the whole world. So when Hashem turns to you and says, I need you, I need you to do the mitzvah because I need you to elevate your portion in this world in order to do your part, in order to bring my, my dream, my fantasy, my desire, my original um, reason for creation to bring it to fruition. At that moment, a, a connection is created between us and Hashem. So when you do a mitzvah, then you connect to Hashem and you become significant. Why? By way of the, of the mitzvah, because Hashem created that connection, because Hashem gave you the mitzvah. In other words, we can't connect to Hashem of our own uh, of our own strength, of our own ability. We're too small. We're too, we're too puny. It's, that's like as we gave an example, you know, a, a little bacteria that wants to have a relationship with a human being. It's and, and what separates us from Hashem is much greater than the separation of a little bacteria to a human being. Because, you know, the little bacteria, the human being, what's the difference? So one is a more complex and sophisticated structure of cells, and one is, uh, is uh, a little simpler, or a lot simpler. But they're both creations, and they're both uh, organisms. And us, Hashem, the, the separation is unlimited. So what's the connection? The connection between us can only be when Hashem gives us a mitzvah, commandment, and says, I need you to do this, and suddenly there's a connection. Now, interestingly, we can just uh, digress for a moment. What creates the connection? What create, what, 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 when does a yid become connected to Hashem? When he does a mitzvah. That's what you're saying, or when Hashem gives the mitzvah. Uh, or when the yid does the mitzvah. When you do the mitzvah. And before then, there is no connection. According to your, no, according no, to your definition, what you said before. Attention, no. I, I agree with you. You know, we say, <laughs> that even though a person sins, he's still a yid, he's still connected. No, but there's, but there's the, like a, the, a lot of strands of connections. He severed, let's say, out of ten strands, he severed nine of them. There's still this, there's one. So that, that, that's definitely one way of looking at it. One way of looking at it, Afal Pishachata Yisrael is that despite the fact that a yid sins, he's still a yid. Another way of looking at it, a much deeper way, which the Rebbe introduces, that you are a yid because you sin. 
Now, before you take that out of context, okay? I'm ready to what does that mean? What is, that means a goy can't sin. When a goy eats a ham sandwich, he has done nothing wrong. When a yid does a ham sandwich, eats a ham sandwich, a terrible thing. Why is it a terrible thing? Because Hashem wants you not to eat a ham sandwich. There is a connection there. When you sin, what you've done is, is demonstrated, you might want to say a negative connection. But the fact that Hashem wants you to do one thing or another, even before you, before you actually make your choice, that already is a connection. Hashem coming to you and saying, please do this, creates a connection. And when you don't do it, if you don't do it, and then Hashem is disappointed and sad that you didn't do it, the only reason why he's disappointed and sad is because there's a connection. A connection which he created. You said the invitation is the connection. The, 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 the tzivoy, the tzivoy, right. The tzivoy. She's inviting you to do the tzivoy. But the goyim also have shevets. I know, it's a separate, that's a separate, uh, it's a different type of mitzvah. It's not, it's not only, uh, the shevets the noyach is not just that they have um, quantitatively less mitzvahs. It's a different type of mitzvah. It's not a mitzvah which is meant to create connections, but that's not for now. It's not for now. I mean, it's a matter of... But obviously, as long as... Let's put it, let's put it differently. A, a, the connection between a parent and a child, is it only there if the, parent, if the child gives the parent nachas? No, it's there. But so when the child gives the parent nachas, then it's a positive connection. Otherwise, it's a painful connection, but the connection is there. So when we do a mitzvah, then we're creating this positive connection with Hashem. Why does Hashem give us mitzvahs, as mentioned? Because He wants a dira b'tachtoyim. That's why He gave us mitzvahs. So every mitzvah has to be connected with dira b'tachtoyim. For me to connect to Hashem, it's because I'm doing what He wants. What does He want? He wants me to make a dira b'tachtoyim. When I do what He wants, I connect to Him. When I'm davening, when I'm saying Krishna, when I'm saying Abraha, how am I making a dira b'tachtoyim? Because when I daven, when I'm saying uh, Krishma, when I, or when I'm, or when I'm making a bracha, I'm speaking. And when I'm speaking, so first of all, I'm exerting energy from my animating soul, my nefesh Bahamas. I don't know if there's anyone here who's a Balkaira, who's read the Megillah. Anyone ever read over here read the Megillah before? Okay, I've read the Megillah before. It's not easy. It's 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 you know it sounds easy. We we know that when a person is a spear, you know, reading the Megillah and a shul, and there are a lot of people there, and it's a big shul, and there are kids, and the, the groggers are a little out of control. So we know that it's the person is basically screaming the time. But I, I'm telling you that even if the Valkyrie isn't screaming the entire time, even if you're doing a private laning for two people and they're adults and there isn't noise, when you finish reading the Megillah after half an hour. You're a little wiped. And if you read three times, you're in Gansan wiped. <laughs> speaking a half an hour straight, speaking half an hour, and, and, and it's, it's more than anything. It's more than, it's more than being a chazan. Because you see, you, it's, it's, it's nonstop. I'm talking about even a chazan or shani kipper. It's more than leaning on Shabbos because it's, it's smaller pieces. Speaking takes energy. So number one, when you speak, you're exerting energy from your nefesh. That, nef that energy... Is being elevated to Hashem. That's Dirubit Achtoyinim right there. 
And then, as we mentioned, there's your teeth, and there's your lips, and there's your palate. All these things, all these physical things that you're using are becoming a dirabitach So when you're davening, when you're learning, when you're saying abracha, what is Hashem's interest in it? Is you speaking? If you're not speaking, you missed the point. There is no mitzvah there. You you did a one, you know, you you sat and you by Shema and you accepted the yoke of heaven and you accepted and and you by by the bracha you were thankful. These are all beautiful, beautiful things and beautiful midas that you have and that you expressed, and you're being very spiritual. But did you connect Hashem? Which means were you yoitza the mitzvah? Did you do the mitzvah? Did you connect? The answer is, did you make a dirbitahtoinim? If yes, Hashem says, I'm in, we're connected. That was the mitzvah. But if you didn't use your mouth, then you did a lot. It was really, really beautiful what you did. You know, you're, you're, you're sure you felt great and spiritual and grateful and all that stuff, but you didn't connect Hashem because to connect Hashem, you have to do something which is part of His agenda. That's how we connect Hashem. Not through, you know, feeling holy and spiritual and beautiful, which is a very important you know, a very, very important point in, in Yiddishkeit. We don't connect to Hashem through going, you know, on, on, a, on, a, on a mountain in India and meditating and feeling spiritual and, and holy and, and meditating and emptying our minds and all that stuff. But we connect to Hashem only when we're being part of His plan. That's what a mitzvah is. So Mitz- Chana did not do the right thing. She did. She spoke just that where Eli was. She was speaking quietly so that Eli couldn't hear her from his place. But when, from here, from her, we learned the Allah of Davni, which is that we're supposed to Davin Shemin Esri Lo, but you're supposed to, you have to articulate it. There has to be, there has to actually be. A whisper. Yeah. The lips got to be working. There's got to be a whisper, some utterance. Excuse me, why, why did, didn't you think that she uh, did a mitzvah? You said she didn't do the right thing. Why? Because Eli saw from far that her lips moving, but no voice. But there was a voice. Just, he he didn't hear her. Utterance. There was an utterance. I don't hear you. I can't hear you when you say that. Can I hear you? So that's the same thing with Chana. The reason why we're not supposed to, to, to daven out loud is because you're davening a shul and you daven out loud. So you're going to disturb all the people around you. I think there are certain Hasidic uh, uh, communities you go to, they're not worried about them. They talk to Davin out loud. But if you're Davin... Okay. What? But if you're Davin... I'm, I'm, I'm not a Rav, I'm not passing, but I'm pretty sure that if you're Davin at home alone, for whatever reason, you didn't make a minion, you can Davin as loud as you want. So I believe, again, I'd have to check it up in Shohal Aruch. But it's Mektani Amuna, it says someone Davin's loud. Yeah, I have to look into it. Is not able to hear you. That's what I think says that. But Bechlal is brought down that uh, to, 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 not from Shmuel but uh, the Fidigrebbe talks a lot about davening bekoil. You know, koil mo'er the sakavana, the importance of davening bekoil. Yeah. So with this, we finished one sugya in Tanya, the sugya of the primacy of Maisa because of dira Hashem wants dira betachtoinim. And therefore, Hamai so Iker, the main thing is Nadid, Kikarvi Elacha Dafram Yoid, Beficha Vavavcha, Lasoisay. Right? Remember, we said it doesn't say Beficha Ubavavcha Vilasoisay. It doesn't say in your mouth and in your heart and indeed, but Beficha Vavavcha in your mouth and in your heart and Lasoisay, all that is in order to lead to deed, because the main thing is Taka the deed.
But obviously, this is only one half of the story. This is only one side of the coin. We cannot walk out with the impression that if so, that Yiddishkeit is a very sterile religion. What? A very sterile religion. And the main thing is do what you're supposed to do. Do what you have to do. Do the mitzvah. Say the words. And uh, where your heart is doesn't really matter much. It's not about your heart. It's about and that also is quite incorrect. And over the next few chapters, and actually, not only over the next few chapters, over here we're going to make a transition which is going to take us through chapter 50, which is almost to the end of Tanya, we are going to be focusing exclusively on the importance of Ahavas Hashem and Yiras Hashem and the importance of the heart, which the first thing, before we get into how to, how to come to Ahavas Hashem and Yiras Hashem, which is going to be the topic of the later chapters, we first have to ask, why do I have to have Avas Hashem and Yeres Hashem? Why is it important? Why is my feeling important? Who cares what I feel? We've already established that the main thing is Hashem wants If Hashem wanted me to love Him and fear Him, if that was important, He should have kept me in Gan Eden. Over there I could love Hashem and fear Hashem to a much greater degree <coughs> and a much greater extent than what I could do over here. Why did Hashem put us down here? We've established this over the last few chapters. Because He wants a dira b'tachtoinim. He wants a dira, He wants a dwelling place in the physical world. So great, I have to do mitzvahs. Where does, where does ava yira, or to put it in different words, kavana, where does kavana come in? And Dr. Rebbe is going to use the word kavana from here on, but I want to bring out the word kavana from here on doesn't mean when you're saying barach Hashem, blessed are you Hashem. Kavana means the motivation. The intent in doing the mitzvah. I am doing the mitzvah because ultimately the kavanah has to be love of Hashem and fear of Hashem. My motivation in doing a mitzvah and my intent in doing a mitzvah is I'm serving Hashem because I love Him and because I fear Him. <clears throat> How and why is the kavanah important? And that's what we're going to be doing inside. Ah! However, we are, whole, we are um, eight lines on the top of page nun. Yeshivish talk. Two dots, we don't say colon, we say two dots. Oh, yeah. So, a guy does a mitzvah for his own covet, wants to show off. What is that? What is that means he's not doing the mitzvah. Keep on going. <laughs> no, like, people can have different, different covenants. A person wants to do so there's a mitzvah. For, he's doing for his own covet, he wants to uh, show that he, you know, has uh, a private agenda. Not exclusively because we're to uh, please the Kodesh Baruch Hu. Is that considered a mitzvah? I don't know. Until now we're saying that everything is about the Misa, so it shouldn't make any difference what the Kavana is. That's not correct, as we'll see as we go on. And the Alter Rebbe will be talking, um, not in this period, but in the end of the next chapter, in the other Perik Lamatas, we'll be talking about the various different levels of, um, of Kavana. Of Kavana, and including what you said about... Um, when someone has in mind only... Um, I have an example of it. Yeah. You know, it's like a person, let's say, uh, he's taking care of an amana, a very elderly lady, does a shopping, and a tequila, and lo and behold, it was known that she has uh, a multi-million dollar estate. <laughs> and she's about, you know, any day she might, you know. And so his, maybe his motivation was that that she would be so pleased that he's, he's taking care of her and 
and then and, uh, then she would write a will for him, whatever it is. <laughs> so would you consider him? No one doesn't know his machshav. Only Kodesh Baruch knows his intent. Would I consider him what? Would the, well, everyone thinks he's a bit tzaddik. If, you know, no one doesn't know what's his intent. Well, but clap the rabbinic shalom. Is he considered a tzaddik or what? Okay, I, I don't know. This might be a little digressing. You're saying he's a tzaddik. Tzaddikim do mitzvahs. Which mitzvah has he done? He did a chesed for this lady, let's say. Which mitzvah is the mitzvah of chesed? Um, there are 613 mitzvahs we have. Avis Yisrael. Uh, he's, he's my attorney. Yeah. Mitzvah Avis Yisrael. Avis Yisrael is a mitzvah I'm which is in the heart. Because there's no tzedakah. Yeah, but let's move on. Uh, yeah. We're, we're, we're going to get there. Okay. Achafal Pekin Amru. Eight lines on the top of page one. Still, our sages have told us, this is brought down in the, um, the Svarim of the Arisam, the Shalah, that tefillah eshar beracha belei kavana, that if you daven, or say a bracha without kavana, hink a guf belei neshama, it's like a guf without a neshama, like a body without a soul. Okay, so this is something we have to digest over here. We're saying here that a guf, that if you say a bracha or you daven without kavana, so it comes along the Arizal and the Shalom, they'll tell you that it's like a body without a soul. What does that mean? Didn't we just establish that uh, the main thing is the words? So Al-Tareb is going to explain the body without a soul, that means we're going to have to examine what is a body and what is a soul. And we're going to realize that a mitzvah has a lot of value as a body, but it's still missing the soul. And we have to understand what is the advantage of a body with a soul, a soul without a body, and we also have to understand that a soul without a body is nothing. You can have the mitzvah, which is a body, and then the body can have a soul or not. But the soul itself isn't worth anything. That's what we're going to find out. So we're now going to go into what is the reason for the kavanah mitzvah, why do you have to have the emotions? And this, as we might have mentioned in the past, this is very connected. You know, in the Torah, there's, there are two very enigmatic stories that are back-to-back. And they're in Parshas by Midbar. One is the story of the Miraglam. And one is the story of Kairach. And both of them are very strange stories. The story of the Miraglam is that Moshe goes and he sends out 12 spies to Eretz Yisrael. And as the Pasuk testifies that Kula Manoshim, that these were people who were all people of, of great stature. And as Rashi says, Ksherim Hoyu. And it's quite clear that Moshe would not send on this all-important mission, he wouldn't send a bunch of lowlifes. He obviously chose, chose well, and chose people who were spiritual people and holy people, people who were dedicated to the cause, people who were Tamidi Chachamim, and yet, 10 out of 12 of them came back with this terrible negative report about Eretz Yisrael. It was really astounding. And what they said was astounding. We can't go in there. What do you mean you just experienced all the miracles and everything? Hashem can't take us in there. We can't conquer the land. You know, the land eats up its inhabitants. It's too powerful for us. It's too strong for us. It's a very strange story. And these ten people managed to incite all of Kali Yisrael against Moshe Rabbeinu. You know, we, you know, we heard the story many times. We learn it when we're children. And then when we grow up, we have to, like, we have to re, uh, revisit it and just try to figure out, practically speaking, how, What's going on? how could that have happened? 
How could that have happened? Now we're talking barely a year after you, after you know Yitzchak Mitzrayim, after Matan Torah, all the Nisim and everything. Well, they're there again, and the Meraglim themselves were holy people. Okay. Whatever happened to the Meraglim happens to the Meraglim. Shortly thereafter, next parsha, next parsha is Kairach. So here, once again, you have an individual Kairach who is described as a Pikach Rashi says he's a wise individual. Um, he apparently had Ruach HaKodesh also. The Medrash tells us that Kairach was, was, was so special that he was Menoise Aaron. We know in um, the members of Kahas, they carried the, the holy, the holy uh, vessels. Now, you had a few people, of all the people, you had a few that would carry the Aaron because they had to carry the Aaron, they'd carry the Shulchan, they'd carry the Menorah. They carried the, the Aaron. Obviously, who was chosen to carry the Aaron was the most. Uh, most Chashavah people. Kairach was Menaseh Aaron. Kairach of the several thousand people who were in cost. He was one of the select few carried the Aaron. And here he comes to Mesh and says, Who are you? <laughs> we're all holy. Why do we need you? What do you mean, why do you? <coughs> Where were you the last year and a half? Why did you need Mesh? Did you see everything that Mesh did and that he accomplished? <laughs> and that, that even a simple you should have known that. Kairach? Kairach, who is a holy person? Mizak, that the Chais of Lublin, when he would talk about Kairach, he would say, the Halik is the Kairach. <laughs> the Chais was a Levi. He was a holy person. So what happened? So that explains, you know, if we look at it only, you know, on the very simple level, it's very difficult to understand. But if we understand a little of the backdrop of what's going on, it makes a lot more sense. The Meraglim were sent into Israel to find out whether they can conquer Israel. They went to Israel, and what do they see over there? They see people, and they're plowing their fields, and they're harvesting their fields, and everyone has their little homestead. Everyone has their fig tree, and it's a whole agrarian culture, and they're like, we're coming from the desert. We're, we don't have to work for food. We don't have to work for a drink. We don't have to work uh, for clothing. We don't, we, 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 there, we don't have to do battle against anyone. We don't have to worry about the enemies because we're guarded by the regarded by the, by the clouds. And that is the most incredible place to go and to serve Hashem, the desert. With no concerns and no material issues and no parnasa. We're not, we don't have to chase the dollar. We're going to come here into this land. He says, we can't conquer this land. The land is going to conquer us. We're not going to conquer the land and make this into holy land. The land is going to conquer us. We're going to become farmers. We're going to become Eretz Echelos Yeshua. We're going to be consumed by the land. Consumed by the land and by working the land. It's not the place to be a Yid. The place to be a Yid is in the desert, surrounded by the, surrounded by the clouds. So they were, they were coming from a very, very noble, noble place and a very spiritual place. They're like, we want to daven, we want to learn, we want to serve Hashem, we want to be spiritual. And um, again, Moshe chose them because they were special spiritual people, and it was their, their, their holiness and their spirituality which actually led them to this conclusion that this is not the place where they should want to go. <clears throat> what was their mistake? Their mistake was that they did not learn chapter 36 and 37 and Tanya they didn't they've totally totally they totally missed out on what and what and what Hashem wants of us they talking about the Chayza I think I might have told you the story before about the Chayza there was once it was one year after Yom Kippur 
So do the story. Say, say the beginning of it. The one year after Yom, after Yom Kippur, he was sitting by the after Yom Kippur meal with all his uh, students, and he turns to them and says, "Anyone wants the Chayza was known as a very big Baruch Hakodesh." That's why it's called the Chayza. That's why it's called the Chayza, the seer, right? So anyone who wants, anyway, I'll tell you. You can volunteer. Raise your hand. I'll tell you what you daven for today. I'll tell you what the response from heaven was to, to your to your tefillas. So one student raised his hand and says, okay, I'm, I'm volunteering. So he says, you, okay. Here. What you daven for today was you told Hashem, listen, I have to work so hard. I don't want, I'm interested in working so hard. I want to serve you. So let's make a deal. Give me Parnassus so that I have to work for one day a week. And I'll work that one day a week. And the rest of the week, I'm going to daven, I'm going to learn. The student says, yeah, it's exactly what I daven for. And what was the response? So the Chayza says the Malachim, as they were carrying up your tefillahs to Hashem, they were laughing. And they're saying, what is this person thinking? That Hashem wants his davening and his learning? No, he want, they want his krechts from when he's working. Hashem wants his krechts. He wants his sigh from when they're working. You know, if Hashem wanted us to sit and daven and learn all day, and that's what he wanted, he would never put us down here in this world. He would have left us in Gan Eden in the first place. He put us down in the world because he wanted us to engage with the world and he wanted a dear him. He wanted us to do mitzvahs. And most of the mitzvahs can be done only in Eretz Yisrael. Only in Eretz Yisrael, in the desert, with all the davening, with all the learning, most of the mitzvahs were not, you were, they weren't able to be done over there. And that was the big mistake of the Meraglim. They got stuck in the emotional elements of Yiddishkeit, and the spirituality, and the feeling holy, and the, and the feeling all, you know, feeling lofty, and they're forgetting, what does Hashem want from me? What does Hashem want from me? The women, by the way, they were the ones, they, uh, they didn't fall for this. Women, were, women are always very practical. They're like, what does Hashem want of us? Hashem wants to go into Eretz Yisrael. Then don't, no, don't give me any Baba Mises. We're going into Eretz Yisrael. That's why Taka, the women were not part of the Gzeira that came upon them because of the Meraglam. So that was the story of the Meraglam. Shortly thereafter, according to Seder Elam, was very, very, very shortly thereafter, comes along Kairach and says, one second, we always thought that what was important was the degree of love I have for Hashem, the degree of fear I have to Hashem, the degree of connection and the dveikus that I have to Hashem. How much Torah I know. And if that, if that is the case, then I understand why Moshe and Aaron are so much more special than the rest of us. I understand why, we are, uh, why they are the leaders and we are the lay people. Because they're holier than us. They have a higher level of dveikus, of attachment to Hashem, and love of Hashem, and fear of Hashem, and a higher understanding of Hashem's greatness. But one second. Didn't we just establish, you know, that the mistake of the Meraglim was that they were prioritizing the spiritual over the actual mitzvah, when the main thing is actually going and doing a mitzvah. The act. If the main thing is the act, Then kola edo kulam kedayishim. We're all holy. We all can do a mitzvah. We all can give the same coin to tzedakah. We all can put up the same mezuzah. We all can eat the same matzah on Pesach. We can all eat the same kosher. So maduat esnasu al kal Hashem. Who who are you? What makes you substantively greater than us if we all do mitzvahs? So the story, the episode of Kairach, was a direct consequence of the story of the spies. It was the, it was the, it was the, and it was the exact opposite. 
says, I, we, we learned the lesson from the spies. We learned the lesson. They made this horrible, terrible mistake, but we learned the lesson. And therefore, Kairach was the original egalitarian. We're all the same. We're all the same. That's yeah, just an interesting. Uh, now, the Kairach is the paradigm of Machlikis, of division. In Perkyavis, it talks about what is a Machlikis. Which is not which is not Lashem Shemayim is Kairach, and in fact the Iser of making a Machlokes we learn from the pasuk of Loiyeka Kairach Lachadase and not to be like Kairach, but what did Kairach really want to do? You think into it? He was an egalitarian. What do you mean? Why are you making divisions between everyone? We're all the same, and by saying we're all the same, he caused the biggest division. He caused the biggest Machlokes. That's a, just a general a rule uh, in life. Now, when everyone recognizes their their place. Then, every, then there can be unity and there can be harmony. When everyone says we're, we're all the same, there is no division, that creates, all, that creates the ultimate machlik, is the ultimate division. Why is, why is, it, why is it so? Anyway, that's just a little, that, that was a side part. Why under that, didn't he want a certain position though? Under that, under that veil of the Right. Everyone should be equal, and I want to be a little more equal than everyone else. Yeah, right, yeah. right. Yes. So what did Moshe respond to Kairach? So Moshe responded to Kairach. He told him, he said, In the morning, Hashem will let everyone know who He has chosen. Why did He say, Why in the morning? Why is that important? So Rashi answers something to do with Keteris. Rashi gives another answer. Hashem made uh, um, just divisions in this world. He made, there's morning and there's night. And just like you can't um, take away the division between morning and night, you can't take away the division between Aaron and the rest of Kuala Yisrael, which are also Hashem made separate. That explains that according to Chassidus, the idea of Boiker, light, is that Moshe, the message that Moshe was telling Kairach is, you're right, that the main thing is the mitzvah. But the question is, is there Boiker in your mitzvah? Is there light in your mitzvah? It's the good foot out in the Is there a neshama to your mitzvah? And that's why we need this hierarchy in Kali Yisrael. That's why Moshe and Aaron are greater, even though everyone does the mitzvah, because the mitzvahs of Moshe and Aaron have more boiker in them, more light, more neshama. And moreover, the purpose of Moshe and Aaron is to help all the Eden, to help that every single one should have a greater neshama in their mitzvah. And this is going to be what we're going to be talking about for the next few chapters, this idea. Without the mitzvah, there's nothing. Without the mitzvah, there is no connection. Everything that that was the fatal mistake of the Meraglim. They're not they're not going to do the mitzvahs. If you're not going to do the mitzvahs, you're not connected to Hashem. You have no mitzvah. You're not connected, and the connection is dafka through a mitzvah, which is a physical mitzvah, whether with a physical act or through using your mouth. Once, however, the mitzvah is done and the connection is there, how brilliant is that connection? How luminescent is that connection? Or to put it in somewhat different words, there is a connection and there's a relationship. The connection to Hashem is through the mitzvah. The relationship with Hashem, as in, the, emotion. As in the cure, the relationship. Relationship means cure. 
What, is a, what does the word relationship mean? What's care? What's the care? Care. C-A-R-E. To care for someone else. Care for someone right? else, yeah. The relationship comes with the kavana. You can have a mitzvah, which is a dead mitzvah. What does that mean, a dead? You're connected to Hashem when you did the mitzvah. With a, and that is the, the, the foundation of everything. Without the mitzvah, you have nothing. If you have all the kavana and all the love and all the fear, but if you have only that, then you have zero. You need to have the mitzvah. The mitzvah creates the connection. But how much life are you infusing in that connection? How much of your relationship with Hashem are you infusing in the mitzvah? That's what the purpose of the kavan is. Hashem wants not only that you should be connected to Hashem, but that your connection to Him should be revealed. Apparent. It should be boiker. It should be as apparent and as light as the day. And that's where the Ava of the year is going to come, and that's where the fear and the love of Hashem is going to feature very, very importantly. And obviously, as Chabad Hasidim, this is very important um, to us. You know, what is Chabad all about? Chabad, as we know, is about um, activating the mind, the intellectual powers. But the purpose of that is to get the to awaken the heart, to awaken the feelings and emotions of the heart, and ultimately, which leads to. To, right, to, to, to thought, deed, and action. So Chabad obviously isn't of the, of the, of the, of the opinion that uh, Kavana, that the Ava and Vira aren't anything. But rather, they are important, but as we'll learn a little later in, uh, in next Perik, that the Ava Vira that the Altreb is going to bring down from the Zohar are like the two wings of a mitzvah. Every wing, every mitzvah has two wings. One is the Ava Tashem, the love, and one is the year of the fear. And these two wings carry the mitzvah up, up above. What does it mean? It gives it its spiritual and holy... Um, uplifting. Sorry? Uplifting. It uplifts it, right. It gives it a substance, a spiritual substance. So this is not, nothing we're going to say now is, neg- is going to negate what we said earlier. Because the end of the day, the Hamaisa Iker. The connection is through, is through the mitzvah, but we would like to have a mitzvah which is alive and which is vibrant. And the Alter Rebbe is going to analyze this idea of that a uh, davening or a bracha without kavana is kaguf belay neshama, is like a body without a soul. What does that mean? Sorry? Tfila isha bracha belay kavana, he can goof belay neshama. But the truth is, it's also about every mitzvah, but specifically, more specifically, about tfila and, and other brachas. So what is the Nikud in this? They have to be interconnected, like uh, body and, uh, and the soul connect together. Same thing. Uh, what is the difference between a body and a soul? It's the emotional part of Chaya the physical. Body, uh, body is nothing. The gulf is nothing. <laughs> both of Zadreb is going to explain that both the body and the soul there's nothing. It's only good for the ground. That's all it's good for. Both the body and the soul receive their energy, their vitality, their existence have within it energy from Hashem within it. When we say the body and the soul, we don't just necessarily mean the human body and the human soul. Everything in this world um, has a body and has a soul. And both the body and the soul derive from, derive from Hashem. 
Because we live in this world, and this world is a world of klipa, therefore the Hashem, the godly energy that's in the body and in the soul, are equally hidden. So for example, if you look at a plant, so the plant has a body, the plant also has a soul, and that's why if you cut the plant off, you know, you, deten- you, snip it. you snip it, so the soul is gone. It's not alive anymore, but the body is still there. The fact that the body is still there is obviously because there's divine energy which is keeping it in existence now also. So there's divine energy in the body, there's divine energy in the soul. But if I look at a cat running in the street, do I see Hashem? No. No. Not in the body and not in the soul. However, at the same time, can we say that there's an equal amount of divine energy in the body and in the soul? Also not. There's much more divine energy in the soul than there is in the body. That's why there's much more divine energy in a cat than there is in a rock, because a rock is only a body. There is divine energy in the rock, but it's mamish at a very, very minimum. There's a minimal amount of energy in the rock, whereas the higher the life form, and specifically when you say the higher the life form, we're talking about the soul of the life form, because the body of the life form is all really uh, the same thing. There's no difference in the bodies. The difference is in the souls. The higher the life form, the more godly energy and the godly vitality, divine vitality, there is in that item. So there is difference in the, between the body and soul. There's a difference how much divine energy there's in there. But there is no difference in terms of their concealment. It's equally concealed in body and the soul. The difference is only, in the words of the Tanya, as we'll learn, is in simsum vihispashtus, which means simsum is how, much, how, how contracted the light is, or how much vihispashtus, which means how much the, the light extends, God's light extends in it. Drawing this analogy to doing a mitzvah or to davening and learning, the Alter Rebbe says the same thing. The kavana is like the soul, and the body of the mitzvah or the words of the mitzvah is like is like the body. Different, however, we're going to do, do this Mirat Hashem at length next week. I'm just giving you a little sneak preview. Different, different than the body and soul in this physical world. Where over here, there's ultimate concealment on both of them. In a mitzvah, there is zero concealment in both the body and the soul. The difference between, between them is, in Simpson Vespashtus, how much revelation of godly light is there? There's more revelation of godly light in the kavana than in the mitzvah itself. That's the, going to be the analogy, which obviously we'll explore. How, how do you experience that? Which we will explore at length, God willing, next week. <laughs> to be continued. To be, to be continued. <laughs>